Amen, amen. Listen, I want to share something with you before we get into today's teaching. Uh, the Bible says, I want to read this out of two different translations. I was thinking about this as they were singing those songs. 2 Corinthians 2.14. In the King James Version, 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always, somebody shout always, always. leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In other words, in every place we go, it smells like God. Every place you show up on your job, whether it's at the gym, whether it's at the school, whether it's with your family, everywhere you go, you are triumphing in God. So much that you smell like God. And then I, and then I read it out of the contemporary English version. In the contemporary English version, it says, I am grateful that God always, somebody say always, always. makes it possible for Christ to lead us to victory. God also helps us spread the knowledge about Christ everywhere. And this knowledge is like the smell of perfume. When I was reading that, I was thinking this week, God has called all of us to win. Losing is not in God's DNA. And because losing is not in God's DNA, losing is not in our DNA. And so this morning I woke up and I was like, you know, we're going to make a confession about victory this morning. And then they came and they sung songs about victory this morning. So I might as well preach about how to get to victory this morning. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say the victory has already been won. Say you just have to learn to ask for your victory. Amen. 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 So this morning. I want to jump into kind of what we talked about uh, several weeks ago. So the title of this message again is how to ask for what you want or how to ask for what you really want and get it. Yeah, and, and I think that's important because statistics tell us that, that, that people in general, but especially women, tend not to ask for what they really want. They ask for what they think someone will give them. And as champions, we don't ask anybody to give us anything. We declare that what our Father has made available belongs to us and can't nobody have it. And so this morning, I want to jump into kind of a recap real quick. Uh, if you in our, in our group or you saw on Tanya's page, she recapped the first. I mean, I ought to just get her to come up here and talk about it. Because she, re in fact, I copied and pasted her recap into my notes this morning. Because it's so important to grab hold to it because here's what you got to understand. You can hear a good message. You can hear a good word. It can make you feel good. But if you don't internalize that word, it does nothing for you. I tell people all the time, if you want to change your life, it starts with your thinking. If you want to change your life, you got to change how you think. And so one of the things that we talked about in the recap, we started off, and I'll just do it real quickly. We talked about the ABCs of faith. If you've been going to Fellowship of Champions for any length of time, if you've been rocking with us, you know how important we believe the ABCs of faith are. Because the Bible says like this, it says that if when we, that when we pray or when we ask, we ought to believe that we receive when? When we pray. Not when it shows up. So if you're still in the, oh, I praise God when it show up mentality, you're not in faith. You're in hope and wish. But God tells us to be people of faith. He says we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So how do we walk by faith? ABCs of faith. We got to learn how to ask 
The first part, the first component of faith is learning how to ask. And then once you ask, the Bible says we should what? Believe. Why should we believe? Because James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He says, let that man not think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because he doesn't know whether he believes or not. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. you got to learn how to ask. And you got to believe when you ask. And then the C component of ABCs of faith is confession. You have to learn to open your mouth and say what God said. It is so important to understand that component. We go back to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that literally God brought dirt to Adam. And he said, Adam, whatever you call it is what it's going to be. In your life, there will be things brought to you. If it doesn't look like what you want, open your mouth and say something different. Yeah. You are the same, the, the same DNA that was in Adam pre-fall is the same DNA that's on the inside of us. So when we want something in our life, we got to learn to open up our mouths and say it. Amen. And so then a couple of weeks ago, we started, to, we used two scriptures, James chapter four, verse two. I want to look at that again in the New Living Translation. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through eight. And then I'm going to talk to you real quick about Luke uh, chapter 11. Just for a recap, and then we're going to get into what I want to talk about today is how do you, what is the work you have to do to get ready to ask? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I hear what pastor's saying, I'm going to ask for what I want. But there's a mentality wrapped in learning how to ask. And if you don't learn the mentality, you will ask, but you don't ask in the right mentality, and then you're going to get disappointed when the answer is no. So I got to build up your mentality and your stamina for knowing how to ask. And so that's what we're going to do today. So James chapter four, verse two, the New Living Translation, it says you want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So what do you do? He says you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. To your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. This, is not the way this is not the way to get what you want. That's right. The first part of that scripture is not the way to get what you want. Here's how you get what you want. He says you don't have what you want for really for one simple reason. Why? Because you what? Don't ask God for it. He says you don't have what you want because you haven't asked God for it. You keep asking all of these other people and these other entities about what it is that, that you want and how you want to have it, but the only one who can give you everything that you want is God. The scripture we just read, it said God always leads us into triumph. Now, here's the thing that I love about God. In our family, in Camp Strick, we are, we are a debater. We are a family who loves debate. We'll debate whether salt should be on the left or salt should be on the right, just for the sake of debate. But one of the things we talk about is that you can never say always. You can't be like, you always do this. You always do that. Because once you use the word always, you have lost the debate. If you say always, ever, and never, I got you. You done lost. Because it's never always, never, or ever. Except when we talk about God. He always leads us to victory. He always causes us to triumph. So if he's the only way who I can say always to, then he is the one I ought to be asking when I want something. Yeah. Amen, somebody. Amen. And so the Bible then says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, in the King James Version, he says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, 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 for everyone. He didn't say all the men. He didn't say all the women. 
He didn't say all the black people. He didn't say all the white people. He didn't, he didn't say all the tall people, all the short people. He said, for everyone that does what? Ask, what happens? Receive. receive. Now, here's the key, because people are like, well, pastor, I didn't ask and I didn't receive. He's not talking about asking but one person. Who is the one person we can say always about? That's who you ought to be asking. That's why my spiritual father taught us years ago, no man comes to Jesus asking and doesn't receive. Name a time that you went to Jesus and asked Jesus for something that he told you to ask him for and you didn't get it. Well, Pastor, I didn't ask the Lord for something. Well, yeah, but did the Lord tell you it was yours? Come on. See, the Bible says he'll reveal those things to you. And we know because it's just natural principle, there are some things you just can't ask for. You can't ask for something outside the will of God. You can't, be, you, you can't ask for my wife. She's taken. So you got you to gotta understand, you got you to know what it is God has for you, and that's what you have to ask for. He says, for everyone that asks, they receive. He says, and everyone that, uh, for, for everyone that seeketh, what do they do? They find, and to him that knocks, what happens? The door becomes open. So if I have a need in my life, I really can't blame God. I got to ask myself, have I been asking? I got to ask myself, have I been seeking? I got to ask myself, have I been knocking? Because as we used to say in the Kojic church, the Bible is right and somebody wrong. The Bible is right, and somebody wrong, and it ain't the Bible, in case you wonder. And so we got to learn that there are things that God has for us, and the only reason we don't have them is because we haven't asked God for them. Now, the most common interpretation of this is in Luke chapter 11, 9, and 10. And I typically use this particular scripture out of the message translation because it illustrates, I believe, what is the meat of the, of the scripture. It says, here's what I'm saying to you. Ask and you will get it. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Verse 10 says, but do not bargain with God. When you ask God for something, what should you be? Direct. He says, ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game that you're in with God. He says, if your little boy were to ask you for a serving of fish, are you going to scare him by giving him a live snake on his plate? Or if your little girl asks you for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? He says, now watch this. As bad as you humans are, <laughs> as bad as y'all are, as many times as y'all miss it, as many times as y'all blow it, as many times as you get it wrong, he said, not even you would do that. He said, so if you wouldn't do that to your children, how do you expect me to do that to you? The next verse, he says, you wouldn't think of doing such a thing. He says, you're at least decent to your own children. He says, and don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it? Somebody says, so what am I supposed to be asking for? Well, the first thing you're supposed to be asking for is to be endued with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is the paraclete. He is the teacher. He is the one who's going to say to you, hey, Chris, it's time to ask me for the new job. Holy Spirit going to be like, hey, Kedron, it's me. I need you to ask me for that raise. Come on, ask me for that raise. Yeah. He says, so ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life so that you know what you're supposed to be asking for. Yeah. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. But then it says this, it says, and when, and when you ask, you ask amiss. Yeah. 
Why are you asking amiss? Because you're going by what's up here, not the Holy Spirit. You, you're asking for what you think you want. The Holy Spirit knows what you need. And sometimes what you need ain't always what you want. And so you got to learn to invite Holy Spirit in and let Holy Spirit talk to you. The Bible also says when you look at that particular translation, it really says it like this. It says, ask and keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. He says, for everyone who, who asks and keeps asking receives and everyone who keeps seeking finds and everyone who keeps on knocking, the door will be open. What does that mean? That means that you can't just believe and ask for something one time and then think you're done. You might ask God, for, the Holy Spirit might tell you to ask for something. You have to ask for it. And then he may say to you, all right, now you need to get some training. Because what I'm going to bring to you, you're going to need to know how to deal with it. And so then you have to start seeking out that information and that revelation. Now, here's what I'll tell you this morning. Don't let the practicality of this go by you. It's practical, but it's also spiritual. The reason that a lot of people in the church struggle is because they make everything about God and they take themselves out of the equation. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said two things. He says, number one, he says, it is finished. And he told them, he said, I'm going back to my father. So Jesus right now is on the right hand of the father. Everything you need is going to be on the inside of you, not the outside of you. But folk go to church every Sunday and they're waiting on somebody on the outside to give them what they need. If you didn't have a pastor in your life, you ought to be able to live victoriously with the word. (gasps) I can't believe the pastor said that. If you need a pastor to cause you to live victorious, you're not investing in the very thing that was designed to make you live in victory. My job is to accentuate all of that is in you. Not to give you what's in you. So when I come and teach, I want you to know you got to learn to hear Holy Spirit for yourself. If you go to church and all you're doing is waiting on the preacher to tell you what you're going to get, you're going to be in sad shape because he doesn't know you as intimately as Holy Spirit does. And so you got to understand that. And so then we went on last week and we started talking about the reasons why people don't ask for what they really want. We said that asking for what you want takes courage and it involves personal risk. And the more we have, the more you have to lose, the harder it is to muster up the courage to ask for what you want. You know, you, you, you see little kids all the time do this. They, they, they'll want something. And in their mind, if they think they can have it, they'll just ask for it. But if it's something big, you can watch their whole mannerism change. They're like, I, 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 I was wondering if, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, could you? That's how some of y'all sound when y'all talk to God. God, you know, been a long time since we talked, God. But I'm just wondering if it's okay with you. He says, this is not some cat and mouse game. He says, when you want something from God, do what? Be direct. He's your father. If he has it, why wouldn't he give it to you? There's nothing I have that I've, there's nothing that I've had that I've never not given my kids. In fact, there's some stuff my kids asked for I didn't have. I went and got it to give to them. Now, if I being earthly can do that, how much more will your heavenly father do that? But watch this. You never catch him off guard by asking for something. He already knew. In fact, he says there's going to come a time where y'all going to get so intimate that before you even ask, the very thing you need is already going to be there. So 
What holds us back from asking what we really want? We said there were four things. Number one, we said, number one, asking makes us vulnerable. People don't like to be vulnerable. People don't like to be exposed. People don't like to, 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 to seem like they're weak. They don't like to seem like um, uh, they, they, they can be jeopardized or compromised in some way. So people don't ask for what they want because asking makes us vulnerable. Number two, we said we don't actually think we have a chance at getting what we want. So many of us have become proficient at negotiating against ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We have become proficient at negotiating against ourselves. Before we ever even make the ask, we tell ourselves why we don't deserve it. We tell ourselves the reasons why we won't get it. We tell ourselves the reason why it's silly to even ask for it. So even if you can muster up the courage to be vulnerable, you don't ask with any confidence. And when you don't ask with confidence, watch this, your faith works. Selah. People say, well, Pastor, my faith didn't work. Yes, it did. Oh, yes, your faith worked. It worked real good. It worked real good. You didn't think you had a snowball's chance. And that's exactly what you had. That's exactly what you got because your faith was working. Your faith is always working. What you, gotta, what you need to, to, to be able to tap into is what do you really believe? Because what you believe at your core is not always what you say out of your mouth. You can say you believe out of your mouth, but your body language will give it away. You go in for the interview, you say, I got this, I got this, and you sit down and you trembling. You don't look real confident. You don't look like a person who's supposed to be in the room. God calls you to a place, a, a new place, and, and it's new people around, and, and God calls you there because he believes that there's somebody for you there to meet, and you walk in the room with your head down, all timid, looking on the side. You don't believe. And so you get the results of what, you, of, of what you're asking for. So number one, we got to ask. Number one, the reason why people don't get what they really want is because asking makes us vulnerable. Number two, we don't actually think we have a, a chance at getting what we want. And number three, many times we aren't sure of what we actually want. So many times people have lived their life based on what makes somebody else happy. They don't even know what they want. Y'all ever seen that movie, The Runaway Bride? Y'all notice she didn't know what kind of egg she liked, right? If you've ever seen the movie, the movie's funny. Uh, she, in, in the movie, uh, she, she kept you know, dating all these men and getting, getting proposed to and all this stuff. And the whole time she was eating eggs, whatever kind of egg they liked. So if the man liked scrambled eggs, she liked scrambled eggs. He like poached eggs, she like poached eggs. He like fried eggs, fried eggs. Over easy, over easy. Some of you have lived your life that way. You don't even know what you want. You, you, you've never gotten beyond the confines of what other people think about you long enough to even determine how you like your eggs. Somebody, so, somebody told you years ago that you should be an engineer. You don't even like being an engineer. Somebody told you years ago, you, you, you'd be good at X, Y, and Z. And so you've been for years trying to be good at X, Y, and Z, and you can't stand X, Y, and Z. So you don't even know what to ask for. Because you have such a false identity of who you is, who you are, when the, when the Holy Spirit tell you to ask for something, it don't even align. Like, who it is? Yeah, well, I, yeah. 
We, we on video, so I try to be dignified. I do have a PhD. I ought to act like it sometimes. But you don't even know what it is that you want. Sometimes you ought to just get by yourself and say, Holy Spirit, tell me who I am. We talked about at Relentless, it was time to be reintroduced to ourselves. And many of us, the, the truth of the matter is, because, because we live in the South, we grew up in the South, it's the Bible bed, most of us grew up in church. Whether, whether or not church was in us, we was in church. That's a whole different conversation. We were at, we were in church. We don't, church wasn't always in us, but we were there. And because of that, we picked up on a lot of things that, that the world expects us to do. And so we really play this teeter-totter game of, am I going to be who I really am, or am I going to be the kind of person that everybody thinks is okay? And the problem is, is that you spend your time being this person that everybody thinks is okay, but you're miserable while you're being it. It was a transition I went through years ago. You know, everybody I knew in the Kojic church who was around me, they were serious. They were, no serious, they were serious. They wore suits, they wore ties, and, and, and they, they walked into processional, and, and they, you know, and, they, and I tried to do that. I hated that stuff. I hated that. I didn't want no big old hot robe on. I didn't want all that stuff. And God said, who called you to do that? He said, that ain't what I made you to be. And so years ago, I just, I just embraced the fact I'm silly. That's just who I am. I, I'm pe petty, call it what you, see y'all ain't got to do that. <laughs> I'm petty, I'm silly, but I'm who I am, and I'm comfortable in who I am. And you know what I discovered? The, 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 the more I became me, the more I attracted people who really liked me. Yeah. And the people who didn't like strict, they kind of moved on out my life. And now I'm happy as I can possibly be. Yeah. In fact, I was reading a thing the other day. They said that 37% of all people who engage in social media only engage in social media to find something funny. So I used to do all these political posts and all these different things and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and you know, and I just, as I started to embrace who I really wanted to be, I said, you know, I'm not going to just share my petty stuff with just my friends. I'm going to share with everybody. Everybody. I'm sharing my petty with everybody. Do you know that in the month of January, I had, a, I, had, I had over $500 that people sold into my life because they said when, I, when they read my post that it made them laugh. One girl sent me $25. She said, I was depressed and I was going to see uh, my doctor today. She said, but I'm going to send you my copay because I feel better now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got a cash app just for that. I don't ask for it. People just, people just send me money because it's like you made my day. See, when you become who you are, money will find you. Money will find you when you become who you are, authentically who you are. So you got to learn. Who, what is it that you really want? People don't ask for what they want because they don't really know. So number one, asking makes us vulnerable. Number two, we don't actually think we have a chance of getting what we want. And then number three, we aren't sure what we really want. And then number four, we are afraid that we might actually get what we want. We're afraid we might actually get what we want. I talk to people all the time and I say to them, why don't you go after the job? Because that's what they talk to me about. Why don't you go after the job? Why don't you go back to school? Why don't you do so-and-so? Why don't you do so? Why don't you do it? 
And it's amazing the number of people when you can talk to them by themselves and get them to really dissect why they're not doing what they're doing. They are afraid internally that if this thing works out, my whole life will change. I call it the devil that we know syndrome. Because most of us become proficient in dealing with the devil that we know. It's why folks stay in marriages that they should have left a long time ago. Wait, Pastor, you saying people should get divorced? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Some, some folks should have never got married in the first place. You, you know, I have, people are amazed when Pastor, and I, when Pastor and I say that. We were talking to a young lady, and, and, and her husband was, was, was hitting her. And she, and, and she said she went to her pastor, and her pastor said, uh, you know, you just got to pray and believe God and work it out. I said, every time, and I shouldn't have said this. I said, every time, man, did, did your husband do that, you ought to go over there and beat him up. See how long he let you be a member. Then why he preaching, you just, mm. She started laughing, and she saw the ridiculousness of that, and she was like, you're right. See, and I said, even if you don't want to get divorced, don't stay in a situation where you're being injured. I can't give somebody advice I wouldn't give my daughter. And I wouldn't tell my daughter to stay. She couldn't. She couldn't if she wanted to. Let me go on, let me go on. So you got to understand that sometimes people are afraid to get what they want. I said this before the first time I taught this. Some of y'all, y'all got to be careful. Y'all talking about y'all want somebody in y'all life. God send me a boo. I just, if I just had a boo, listen. That boo look good. That boo look, look she fine. He handsome. All that's, all that's great. Till they come in your house. Till y'all have to join spaces. Y'all get married and now, now one of y'all is a monster. So I say, what do you mean now monster? Because you grabbed that toothpaste in the middle. You just a monster. You don't put the toilet paper roll on there the right way. You've been living by yourself for years. Now you go in there at night to use the restroom and fall through because you don't left the toilet seat up. Listen, there's some, there's some real challenges. So you say you want a boo, but there are some things that come with having a boo. So you got to make sure that you're ready, or even if you want a new job. Listen, nobody pays you double your salary and expect you not to have double the responsibility. People are like, oh, I want to make, make six figures. There's some responsibility to come with six figures. Yeah. You don't get to clocking in at 8, be at the coffee machine to 8.15. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. You know, you pill around. Uh, you Amazon shopping to 9.30. No. There, there's some things that come with responsibility when you move up in statute. So you got to make sure that when you're asking for these things that you're prepared for what comes next. Amen? The key to overcoming all of these limitations, though, is to really think about the positives that comes with them rather than the negatives. Amen? And so we talked about in order to do that, you have to develop what is known as a growth mindset. Say growth mindset. See, a growth mindset is, is different than a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset looks at almost everything from a negative standpoint. A growth mindset looks at it from the standpoint of how do I get better? 
so that even if you receive a no, a no doesn't cause you to, to ball up into a ball and never ask again. A, a, a growth mindset says, okay, I got told no now. How do I fix it so my next ask is a yes? And so we talked about that, and we shared some of that about this growth mindset. We said that a growth mindset embraces challenges. You got to be a person who can't always want everything easy in life. Anything worth having is worth working for. Yes. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. you cannot be successful, cannot be successful. And, lazy. and lazy. You just can't. You cannot be successful and be lazy. I know it. Listen. I tell people all the time, you look at people like Beyonce and, and, and Diddy and, and, you, and, you, and you look at actors like John Travolta and all those people, all we see them doing is acting on the screen and making millions of dollars. What you don't know is how hard they work at their craft. What you don't get to see is, 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 is literally when you chilling, they working. I mean, they, they, they working all the time. Every successful person has to learn how to work. The only, place that, the only place that success comes before work is in a dictionary. Yeah. That's it. It's the only place you're going to find success before work. And if you're a person who don't like to work, then you're never going to be successful. And what's going to happen is you're going to keep asking Holy Spirit to give you something. Holy Spirit's going to give you instruction, but you're going to be too lazy to do it, and then you're going to wonder why you didn't get it, and then you're going to get mad at God, but God didn't do it. And that's the pattern that people follow. So I'm not going to go through all that growth mindset stuff. You can see that. Here are four points that we took from that. We said, number one, you have to recognize when you are having fixed mindset thoughts. You have to recognize when you are having, listen, the Bible says we have an adversary. And that adversary is always wanting us to sabotage ourselves. I said this before and I'll say it again. Once you are born again, the devil really can't touch you. He can't. Once you, once you are born again, the Bible says we are born of an incorruptible seed. That means sin doesn't corrupt the seed. If sin corrupts the seed, then the seed was not incorruptible. Say, I am, I am born, born of, of an incorruptible, incorruptible seed. seed. So my mistakes don't make me not saved. So I ain't having no, no battle about whether or not God loves me or not. He loved me before I was saved. So I'm not having that battle. So the battle the enemy wants me to have is within myself. He wants me to talk to myself to tell myself I'm not good enough. He wants me to tell myself that when I look at the challenge, the challenge is bigger than me. He wants me to convince myself I'm not worthy. He wants me to convince myself that the thing that I want is bigger than who I am. He wants me to convince myself I'm not big enough to fill the space because if he can talk to me long enough and convince me of all of that, I will believe what he says rather than what God says and then my faith is working because my faith is working the question is is it going to work over here with Satan or is it going to work over here with what God said take a neighbor and say today you got to choose you got to choose who you're going to believe and so this growth mindset says even when something bad happens to me it's not me this bad the, the thing happened but I can recover from this so number one, we said you got to recognize when you're having those fixed mindset thoughts. Number two, we said you got to recognize that you have a choice. You don't have to sit in all of your pity. You don't have to stay there. Yes. Now, I'm not, I'm not being disingenuous. All of us, at some point in our life, we get sucker punched. Yes. Something happens in life, 
hits you in the gut, takes you down, you wasn't expecting it, listen, cry, do whatever you need to do, but you can't stay there. I won't even give you a timetable. I won't tell you that it's got to be a day or two. But, but you can't be there forever. Because when, when you are in that state, you cannot move beyond that state. And so, so, so all of us have lost loved ones. All of us have lost jobs. All of us have lost something in our life that caught us off guard. But when something catches us off guard, we have to remember, I have a choice in how I respond to this. You know, you driving down the street and someone flip you the bird. You don't have a choice about them flipping you the bird, but you do have a choice in how you respond. Yes. I, know, I know, some of us are growing and becoming. I know, some of us are growing and becoming. We like eye for eye. <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But you have a choice even in that in how you respond. Number three, we said you have to learn to respond to your fixed mindset thoughts with growth mindset thoughts. You can't just, you can't, you can't replace a negative thought by just not thinking it. You, you, you got to replace it with something. You know, it's that whole adage that they used to tell kids all the time, don't do drugs. Well, what should we do? Because we're going to do, because we're going to do something. So, so if we don't do drugs, what are we going to do? And so, and so you, you got you to gotta give people something. You know, that was the thing they used to tell us in church all the time. Don't do this, don't do that. Well, what are we going to do? Because we going to do something. So if you can't give me something, these, these options look viable. So you got to replace it with something. Number four, we said you have to take growth, set, growth mindset actions. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. taking action taking is so important. It's so important. You got to do something. I don't know what your situation is right now. I don't know what you're facing. But here's what I know. At some point, you got to get to the place. Even if you don't know what to do, you know what you're not going to do no more. Right. And I meant that no more. You, you got, you got, I meant it just that way. You got to know what you're not going to do no more. I don't know what's coming down the road. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen next month or next year. But what I do know is this ain't going to keep happening in my life. I'm not going to keep doing this. And at least that is making a decision and making an action to move forward. And when we approach any request with the growth mindset, uh, then we end up getting what we want. So this morning, let me talk about this real quick. I want to give you seven um, concepts that you need to have in place prior to making the ask. I don't want you to be out there just asking a miss. These are going to go pretty quick. Number one, don't assume other people are mind readers. Before you ever ask, before you ever go into the ask, you got to have some work done on the inside of you that understands that you cannot assume that other people are mind readers. Complaining about your problems never solves them. Whining about your unmet needs won't fill them. And whether you want your colleague to communicate with you more at work about some team project or you want your spouse to communicate to you more about their feelings, whatever it is, you have to understand that in order for any relationship to thrive, both parties have to take responsibility for clarity of communication. Yeah. Yeah. For clarity of communication. You cannot assume that your spouse, that your teammate, the people you go to church with, the people you work with, your family, you cannot assume that they are mind readers. I don't know what you want unless you say it. Come on. In fact, I don't even feel like it's my job to Come find on. out what you want if you don't say it. Come on. 
My, 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 my wife, now, now, I'm not saying you don't spend time to get to know your spouse. That's not what I'm saying. But I, but, but, so I kind of know my spouse. But, but when it comes time for big days, you got to communicate to me. Don't be like, surprise me. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. We done done that before. Been there, bought that T-shirt, burned it. Uh-uh. I want clear communication. What would you like for your birthday? What would you like for your anniversary? We did that with Chris. We said, Chris, it's your birthday coming up, girl. What you want? She asked for something different this year. She said, rather than a party and a cake, she said, I want everybody to write me a letter. And what? A handwritten letter? And, and cash. And cash. My bad. And cash. I did both. I did both. She said, write me a letter and give me cash. Now, I, because of my personality, I'd have doubled the cash if I didn't have to write the letter. But that's not what she asked for. But had she not asked for it and just said, give me whatever you want, I could have just given double the cash. But she asked for a letter. So I had to sit down. And I think, and I think she asked for a handwritten letter, but I hate my handwriting. So I typed mine. I did. I typed mine. Cause, cause, cause when you, because, because, because it was Chris, when you type, you can cut and paste and move stuff around. But when you write, it's there. But she was clear in what she asked for. She did not expect us to read her mind. And so because she asked for what she wanted, she was happy on our birthday. Yes. Some, of you don't, don't, some of you aren't clear about what you're asking for. You're assuming other people know what you want. Some of y'all mad at people right now because you assumed that they knew what you needed and they didn't give you what they needed, but you didn't communicate what you needed. Don't look at me like that. I ain't scared of y'all. <laughs> People are like, well, they didn't do so-and-so for me. Did they know you wanted that? Physical touch in my love language is number five. It's number two for my wife. Now, if you got a two and a five with physical touch, somebody's going to have to give somewhere. <laughs> so she had to say to me, I want at least three hugs a day, and I don't want to have to tell you. Cool. <laughs> now that I understand what we working with. <laughs> morning, <laughs> evening, <laughs> night. Some of y'all got to get over the fact that you have to tell somebody what you want. It's just as authentic if they had thought of it themselves. So number one, before you make the ask, don't assume other people are mind readers. Number two, when you ask, be bold in what you're asking for. I say it like this. Number two, don't dilute the ask. Don't dilute the ask. Because what happens is if you dilute the ask, you get it, and then you're disappointed. You really want a $20,000 raise, but you're scared to ask for it. So you ask for 10, and you get it. Now you're mad. You got the raise, but you ain't even happy about the raise. Now you're like, I should have asked for the 20. You should have. Be bold and ask for what you want. The worst thing people can say is, I'm sorry, I can't help you. you got to be bold. The reality is that you will rarely, if ever, be given more than what you have the courage to ask for. Rarely. rarely. 
Rarely will you ever be given more than what you have the courage to ask for. So if, somebody, so if the determining factor is you, why not ask for what you want? Don't dilute the ask. Number three, be specific about what you want and when you want it. Don't ask me, Pastor, can you, can you, can you give me some money tomorrow? Yeah, I got a dime for you. <laughs> At 3 o'clock. I mean, does, is that what you wanted? So, so you got to be clear. You got you to be specific about what it is that you want when you're asking. And when do you need it? You know, people be like, well, you know, just whenever you can come by. No, I need you here at six. People, well, you, well, you can't do that if you're asking people for a ride. Yes, you can. If, even if I don't have a car and I need a ride, I say, can, Christy, can you pick me up at six? No, I can't pick you up at six. Okay, moving on. I'm finding somebody who can. But if you're just like, can you give me a ride? Well, yeah, I'll be by there a little later this afternoon. Okay, and now when she don't show up, you mad she ain't showed up. She show up at 7.30, you like, I want to be here at 6. Well, why didn't you say 6? Be specific about what you want. Why is it so difficult to just ask for what you want? I, and, I, and I realize that this isn't everybody's uh, personality, which is why I have to teach this to you. I got to teach you into my personality. I just don't have a problem asking for what I want, because at the end of the day, all you can say is no. And watch this. If God already told me it's mine, yo no don't impact me. Yo no don't impact me. My yes is out there. If I got to ask 20 people, I'll ask 20 people because guess what? That 21st person got my yes. So you got to be specific about what you want and when you want it. Number four, be clear about what you won't tolerate. Before you ask, be clear in your own mind about what you won't tolerate. It's a rule of life that you absolutely get what you tolerate. It's facts. You see somebody be like, man, they treat them so bad. Yeah, but they let them. Oh, I know that sounds cold. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds mean. But people only treat you the way you allow them to. People only treat you. But pastor, you don't understand. I know, I know, I get it. But at the end of the day, you still allow them to do it. So when you get ready to ask for something, you got to know what you won't tolerate. I had a guy call me, um, I guess it was, in, 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 it was before Christmas, so sometime in December. Called me, said, hey, I was talking to so-and-so, this recruiter from this agency. He says, uh, we got this job we think would be perfect for you. I'm like, what is it? Told me what the job was and everything. Everything sounded great. He said, the only thing is you got to move to Oakland. I was like, well, okay. If I go to Oakland during the week, y'all going to fly me back on the weekends? Cause that's that's I gotta be back for church. It's oh no no we ain't gonna do that. I said oh well that's not the job for me. He said oh but this job we 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 will pay you more than you're getting and the benefit of that. Are you going to fly me back every weekend or no? Cause if you're not flying me back every every Friday evening, I need to be on my way back from Oakland here. He said well no I don't think we can work that out. Okay well good luck in your search. You got to know what you won't tolerate. Yeah. If you know what you won't tolerate going in, then you don't succumb to the pressure. Uh, when I go buy a car, I know exactly what I'm going to spend. Yeah. And you can talk about all the deals you want to. You can do all them little pressure tactics. Well, it won't be here tomorrow. Well, okay. 
I won't either. Because this ain't the only white car that they made is in this model in this year with these bells and whistles. They was producing them off the line. It's one of them somewhere. I don't let people pressure me. Why? Because I already know going in before I ask for what I want, what I won't tolerate. So you got to know what you won't tolerate. Number five, forget dropping hints. Be direct. Forget dropping. A lot of people don't take hints. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I may be on the spectrum somewhere. I, I may be. I may be on the spectrum. I don't get your hints. I just don't. My, my wife be like, strict. What? I don't get your hints. So if you don't say something to me that, that's, that's fairly direct, I, I'm listening to you, but I don't know what you're talking about. I have no doubt that somewhere along the line, I'm on that spectrum somewhere. <laughs> I don't take your hints. You know, if, you, if we're sitting around and you're like, man, it's hot in here. I'm like, okay, you hot. <laughs> if you want me to do something about the heat, you have to say, hey, I'm hot. Can you do something about the heat? Well, yeah, sure. So you got to be direct. Mo everybody ain't going to catch your hints no matter how slick you think they are. You think you're dropping big hints. Ain't nobody know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ain't nobody know what you, you're trying to drop hints to your husband. You're trying to drop hints to your wife. They, they clueless about what you're talking about. And then you, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure hungry. Go eat. <laughs> it's food in there. Now, if you want to go somewhere, say, hey, I'm hungry and would like to go somewhere. You got to learn that. That's, it's, it's a skill, and I know it sounds funny, and I know we're being real practical today, but I'm telling you, this will help you in your life. When you're at work, when you're dealing with people, don't drop hints. Hear this. Being direct doesn't mean being rude. Those two things are not synonymous. You can learn to be direct without being rude to people, amen? But making a general comment to a group of people like, it would be great if people around here would get, uh, get to their meeting on time. You're like, well, I was here. If you got an issue with somebody, say something to them. Be like, hey, Chris, I need you to be here on time. Don't do that general passive-aggressive kind of thing because it'll flow into how you ask. You'll ask passive-aggressively. But I would really like to have a raise since I do two jobs around here. That's probably not going to get you a raise. Number six. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here before I say this. Probably gonna sound a little sexist because it probably is. <laughs> However, in my dealings, what I have found is this next one to be more true of women than it is men. So brace yourself, y'all right? Yeah, all right, all right. I know it's more women in here than it is men, so I gotta <laughs> preface that. You need to ditch. The whole martyr act. Come on. Stop being a martyr. Come on. I have observed that the female variety of our species have a greater tendency to feel guilty when they put other people's needs, or when they put their own needs above other people's needs. It's almost like women go, well, I need this, but they need this. 
So I'll wait and take care of them. But in doing so, you don't do self-care. So even you helping them, you're not your best self when you're helping them. I don't know where we learn this, but men don't struggle with that. No, I, I'm being serious, and I have to teach that because I want you ladies to know that sometimes you think you're being selfish, and we don't even see it that way. We, as men, we don't see it that way. If I got something I need to do for me, and I got something I need to do for my wife, my question is, which one's most pressing? Not whether or not I'm going to do hers or mine. But, but literally, I've had to help her understand that if I need something done and she needs something done, it shouldn't be, well, I need to help Strick first. I don't know where that came from. Yes, I do. The church taught people that. That's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is the church says, you're a wife. You need to help Vanny live his dream. You're the wife. You need to help Y be all he can be. Well, he go to the arm if he want to do that. <laughs> if we are a couple, our job is to help each other reach their goals. So I don't understand. I do understand. I want to help women understand it is not selfish to do what God has told you to do. We talk to people all the time. I know a woman who right now, she had, a, she had a women's meeting. And the first time she had a women's meeting, she had 250 women show up. Her husband uh, had, a, had a men's meeting. He had 25 people show up. Now, the truth of the matter is he just got jealous. That's all it was. And he told her, you, you need to help me build my vision. So since that time, she hadn't had another women's meeting. Now, 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 why did she do that? Because in her mind, she's being a martyr. I'm killing my dream to help my husband live a dream. But was it really his dream anyway? Or did he just do it because he wanted to get some people to show up for him? You got to be careful when you're dealing with individuals who want you to set yourself on fire to keep them warm. It is not necessary for me to burn for you to shine. So when it comes time to asking for what I want, I don't have to worry about how I'm fulfilling everybody else's need. I'm asking for what I need. And it's okay to ask for what I need. Because if I get what I need, I'm in a better situation to help other people. So tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say stop. Being a, martyr. being a martyr. Yeah, stop being a martyr. And then number seven, before you make the ask, before you make the ask, you got to get it on the inside of you. Number seven, a no is not personal. A no is not personal. If you start to take no's as personal, you are going to be filled with anger and rage and disappointment and all kind of things just going to stop you from being able to go and ask for, the, ask for what you need the next time. Let's face it. You won't always get what you ask for. It's just the truth. 
You'll always get what you ask for from God, but you may not get what you ask for from people the first time. But one person saying no is not the end of the situation. Your boss won't always give you the promotion that you like, and your parents may not always agree to babysit your little three kids on the weekend. <laughs> and that's just the truth. But them saying no is not personal. You had them kids. <laughs> Listen, I had this conversation with my kids already, and they ain't got none. I, I love being Paul Paul. I love playing with Carson and Peyton. I love it, absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, if I gotta keep them or go to Cancun, that's them. That's they kids. <laughs> that's they kids. So don't take my no personally. When it's a yes, it's a yes. When it's a no, it's a no. Such is life. When people say no, don't treat it as a personal rejection or a personal attack. Yes. If you do, it's going to set you up to be bitter, not better. Accept it graciously and then move on. And here's the reason. Even, even when you don't get a job that you apply for, I tell people this all the time. Always send a follow-up and thank them for their time. Say, hey, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to interview. It was great. I wish you the best. Uh, let's, let's stay in contact if you can. If anything ever happens, you need, you need anything, I'm here to assist you. Why? You don't want to burn the bridge. You don't want to be mad like, well, they ain't hire me. And you don't send no letter. You don't do People notice that stuff. Don't take it personal. Accept it graciously and move on. At least now you know where things stand, and you can plan accordingly. Asking for less than you really want from yourself or from others, from life, doesn't serve anyone. So what you got to learn to do is ask for what you want. So I want to share this as a close. There was a young lady who came to Relentless, a different young lady. I told you about the lady who asked for the raise and got it. Another lady, she, she came to Relentless. And after she left, uh, she came up and she talked to me. And she was like, hey, is there anywhere I can get you know, that PowerPoint that you had? And I was like, sure. I, give me your email. I'll send it to it. So I sent it to her. Um, she, she ended up reaching, reaching back out, and she was wanting to go back to school, okay? She was wanting to go back to school, but she, she didn't have the money to go back to school, but she had saw that there were certain scholarships available, but everybody had told her that, like, those scholarships were so, like, certain people who had done certain things, and she hadn't done some of the research that was necessary to, to do all that. And so she said, I just decided I'm going to ask. What's the worst they can do? So she did. She said she went to the dean of the department, uh, asked for, for a meeting, got the meeting, um, went into the meeting, and said, look, I know here's what, the, what, what you say you got to have for the scholarship. Here's what I've done. Here's my situation. I'm a single mom. I've done this. I've worked. I've maintained this GPA. I've done this. I've done that. I graduated with this. Now I want to further my education. I don't have the money to do it. She said, two days later, the dean called her back and said, hey, can you come in my office? She thought, okay, here we go. She said, but then I remember what you said. Be bold in what you asked for and believe you received. She said, so the whole time I drove to the Maryland campus, she said, I was driving to the Maryland campus saying, he's going to give me a scholarship. He's going to give me a scholarship. He called me to give me a scholarship. He called to give me a scholarship. He called to give me a scholarship. She said she walked into the dean's office and he said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I don't have a scholarship for you. Ain't how that story was going to go. Ain't how you thought they were going to go, is it? <laughs> she said and she remembered when I said that one no doesn't mean no. And so she said, thank you for your time. I understand. Is there anybody else 
that you could recommend me to? She said, he leaned back in his chair, and he said, I'm glad you asked. Notice that. I'm glad you asked. He said he walked her down the hallway to another man who gave her a full scholarship to graduate school. I'm so glad. It was really up to her. She could have been bitter and said, okay, thank you, and walked out. He didn't let her go. But he said, I'm so glad you asked. Because sometimes people just want to see how you handle disappointment. Because if you can learn to handle disappointment with grace, people are willing to trust you in other areas because they know disappointment is going to come in your life. But that ain't the end of the story. She said, Pastor, she said, Pastor Edwin, she says, I know you guys got a scholarship program you do for high school kids. She said, I don't have $10,000 to fund the whole entire scholarship. She said, but next semester, I want to fund one scholarship for the semester. That's so awesome. She said, because I know I couldn't have got in grad school with $1,250. She said, but it's my way of sewing back for what you sold into my life. All you have to do is position yourself to hear from Holy Spirit. Trust it with Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit telling you you need to go back to school, you don't have to know the why today. Take the first step that you can take. Maybe the first step is just going and asking somebody how you get back in school. I tell people all the time, you realize that somebody, an individual, makes the decision about everything you need in your life. Even if you say it's ran through a computer, somebody can override the computer. I remember being in college and needing to take a particular class. And if I wasn't going to take the class this semester, they wouldn't offer it for a year later. And I didn't want to have to be late in graduating. I went to my advisor and said, I need to graduate. I can't spend another year in school. He said, well, have you had so-and-so class? No, I haven't had it yet. But they don't offer that class till the next semester. I need this class this semester. I'll take that one next semester. He said, but that's not how it works. I said, I know, but I need this class this semester. I'll take that class next semester. I said, you can look at my GPA. You see, I can do it. The system wouldn't even let me register. So he went in his computer. He did an override. Somebody is in position for an override. Ooh, I felt that. Somebody today is in a position to receive an override from God. All I need you to do is to be willing to make the ask. And if you're willing to make the ask, I'm telling you, God will override everything that's blocking your life. Everything you need, God will come in and take care of it for you. I don't want other people to just benefit from this word. Come on. It's great to hear testimonies from people on the East Coast and folk from Texas and folk up north in Minnesota. It's great that they go onto the website and listen to it and they're sharing it, but they shouldn't be more blessed by the word than you are. This is your house. This word came to you first. So I declare in the name of Jesus, every ounce of courage that you need to ask for what it is that you really want, that you will ask Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom, the understanding, the courage, and the fortitude to be bold in your ask. 
and I declare in the name of Jesus, as surely as Jesus saved your soul, he'll also deliver you from everything that's blocking you from getting what you want. Yeah. It is so. Yeah.